Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Coon, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Coon. Um, I kind of want to just forget about this football game, but here we are about to talk about it a little bit more. Have to relive it again. It's like the 0-16 season, <laughs> where we brought you 16 podcasts the Monday after. And my middle brother, Matthew Coon. Hey, guys. We are sitting here in the studio on November 2nd. Tomorrow is November 3rd, and America will be on the edge of their seats awaiting the trade deadline, waiting to see (laughs) what these NFL teams are going to do across the country, see if their team makes a move. It's the most important thing going on in our lives right now. Um, Hopefully that'll be some fun news, maybe a pick-me-up. Maybe something exciting happens tomorrow. Do we, do we feel it differently? I mean, I feel like all of us are not really expecting the Browns to make a move. I just like the trade deadline. I, I don't necessarily Trade deadline's expect- fun because there's the anticipation and everything. I, I don't think the Browns are going to do anything. Although, we could make an argument much. for a defensive tackle. Some beef. Somebody that doesn't. Oof. I feel like this is the first week where it's just been very apparent that we miss Andrew Billings. No doubt. Like, could have used Andrew Billings. There's a reason we went out and got an Andrew Billings. Um, you know, and then we also moved on from some guys that probably could have helped there. Like, you know, a hand, there's a handful of guys we had in camp that we moved on from that probably could have helped. Like an Eli, Anku, Daniel, Equale. Like, those guys, I think, could have helped in a game like this where we're just getting consistently beat yep it was painful to watch so just so you guys know uh, matthew and i earlier today tried multiple times to reach out to grandpa get him on the phone so you could hear his anguish in the most true browns fan format the unbridled anger and disappointment of grandpa is what you guys all listen to this podcast for quite frankly i know it um but we couldn't get that for you but grandpa's alive and well can we confirm that uh (laughs) That grandpa's alive and well. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't talked to him in the last. I don't. Seventy-two hours. Haven't heard from him. I, but I have I no would, reason to suspect otherwise. All right. I don't really want to. We'll engage. call him again tomorrow. <laughs> I don't really want to engage in this joke, <laughs> just in case. But I mean, we'll call him again tomorrow and update everyone via Twitter. Seems to be in great health. From oh, no doubt. From Actually, every measurable standpoint i was just talking to mom about this earlier today and like she's like yeah he's got a high blood pressure and that's about the only thing grandpa's got going on to worry about like like, like the man it's like so incredible i mean how can you be a human man at 84 he's just made of concrete (laughs) i mean it's like a fact of science and nature that you have high blood pressure when you're 84 like isn't that something that just happens to everybody like there's no way could have been vegan his entire life and he would have died 10 years ago <laughs> but that steady diet of milwaukee's best and sausage, sausage. Yeah. <laughs> egg beaters to stay healthy instead of eggs <laughs> which was always funny to me he was always very adamant about the egg beaters he still is he, still is i he, think he knows something he knows something um all right so let's let's unfortunately it's what we have to do let's talk about this Raiders Browns game. Um, you guys probably watch it and you don't need to hear it again, but Browns fell to the Raiders 16 to 6. A game in which the Browns 
only got six offensive possessions in the entire game. Largely forgettable, not very fun to watch. No. But what were your guys' main takeaways? Well, I just keep thinking about this from like a bigger picture perspective. Like, who's really to blame for this loss? Like, which unit is to blame, I guess I should say. Like, is this the offense's problem for only putting up six points against the Oakland Raiders defense that is not good? Has given up points to everybody that they've played all season? Or is this an issue more with the defense for not being able to get off the field um, throughout the entire game? Like, how do you guys see, like, as you look back at this game, like, who's, who's at fault? When I look back, I think given the conditions, given the conditions, what was the difference in this game is that the Raiders were able to make a few key plays and our defense was not able to get them off the field. So, so I blame the defense. I don't think the Raiders' offense was significantly better than the Browns' offense this, this week. The, the conditions were tough for, for offense in general. Like This was never going to be a, a high-scoring affair. So in, in this situation, our, our defense has not been good this year. What, what has been our saving grace is the fact that we're forcing turnovers which gets people off the field. We didn't do that today. Miles we, Garrett has been our saving grace. Yeah, no, Miles Garrett was... Has was been forcing turnovers. Forcing turnovers, yeah. Whether it's his, his direct strip sacks or pressures leading to interceptions. Uh, he was hobbled this game. There were times in this game where he was only rushing on third down, and he was off the field the other times. Um, this defense is very limited. I mean, if we don't have that ability... Olivier Vernon had a great game. He had, I think, he had two sacks in this game, which is is great to see. Um, this defense needs to be able to get off the field. We allowed three possessions of eight plus minutes for the Raiders. That ate up nearly half the game on those three just three possessions of the Raiders, which limits our offensive opportunities, but also. All of those possessions led to touchdowns or scores, not touchdowns. So that puts your offense in a bad situation when they have less time to respond and now they've got more points to respond to. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think it, I think it has to be the defense. I mean, not so much that the Raiders were able to make key plays, but they were able to consistently make really underwhelming plays throughout the entire game and run they out the clock. away the they entire just, game. I mean, it had to have been their game script, and they got to run their game script. They got to do what they wanted because our defense allowed them to. And, I mean, you can't really – the offense didn't get a lot of opportunity, and there were a few key things that didn't go our way. Like, if Jarvis catches that touchdown and we go up 9-6 to six, instead of having to kick the field goal and go to 6-6, yeah. six to six, then, like, then we – If we get up 10-6, to six, that – yeah, feels different in this game. It's a totally, sure. it's a totally different game, um, and so I have what to blame. A weird game. I have to blame. I have to blame the defense as well. Um, Baker didn't play poorly, right? Well, in like, fact, in fact, I think he played pretty well given the conditions. How, how hard it was to throw in this game. I mean, it. He, how, how many drops? Four drops. If five. You can, if it was five, five drops. Landry had two. Janovich had one, and Joku had one. And the other one, I know it was five. There Kareem was five Hunt. credited jobs. Yes. I mean, really bad. 
Really bad. Did, Jarvis did had Land- that really bad one that hit him in the hands. Did Landry have more than one? Landry might have had three, though. Was because, that, was that because the contested the game, one in the end zone didn't count as a drop. Okay. The one where he was diving and was called a touchdown and then pulled off the board counted as a drop, which I think is fair. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. And then there was another one early in the game when he just literally hit his hands and he dropped it. Yeah, but Baker's adjusted completion percentage, because he didn't throw a lot of passes, was 70%. 70.8. What is adjusted completion percentage? like? A takes out drops. Takes out the drop. Counts them as catches. Yeah, I mean, that is solid. You want to be in that 70% range. Yep. I, Baker played fine. I can't fault him. He also had phenomenal... Um, a phenomenal pocket. Like there was, there wasn't a single pressure on Baker Mayfield in this game. And so you would hope that your quarterback can perform and play well and do what he's supposed to do given that situation. Uh, And there was a couple of times where he held onto the ball a little bit late and I was proud of him. I was just like excited to see him move around and like create some space. Um, and was able to move around. Didn't like completely run away from and would reset his feet and gave himself a chance to make something happen but it definitely wasn't baker's fault it was all those drops um when we had such limited opportunities when you're talking about a game where we only have six possessions you can't make little mistakes like harrison bryant fumbling the ball in the first possession when we're already at the 30 yard line like that was at the 30 yard line we were moving the ball chuck little chunks little chunks little chunks moving right along and then you fumble the ball away. That's one of six possessions in the game that we just gave away. And then you saw it happen over and over throughout the rest of the game. Everybody else around Baker was not doing what they needed to do to support the offense succeeding. Well, when you just have so many opportunities, each mistake is magnified. Whether it's Harrison Bryant's fumble, Njoku's drop on third down, which would have kept kept the drive moving. Like, each each small minute yeah. mistake just gets magnified. Jedrick Wills three false start penalties. Yeah, and then Janovich, which in these conditions, Janovich it, drops the pass on the next play. Like like each of those just compounds when you have six opportunities and they're drive killers for one of six opportunities. In three false starts in this weather is it's pretty tough. And honestly. Stuff to come back from. I mean, yeah, it really is. Like, and honestly, he even when he wasn't false starting, he was getting beat. He had a tough game. He had a really bad game. He had a really bad game, and um, I don't know what to say other than that. <laughs> but it, it was a, it was a bad game for Mister Mister Jedrick Wills. Well, we like to coat things with silver linings, and this is the first time that we've definitively said that Jedrick had a really bad game. Which, for a rookie left tackle, is not the worst. Not the worst situation to be in for our our first-round pick. I'll take week eight. Yeah. Um, For the first time where it's been, like, all bad. Yeah, yeah. I really want to hit on this um, because I think, in the grand scheme of the game, this was one of the biggest deals, was Miles Garrett not being in the game the entire time. So, Miles Garrett had a knee injury that was – we didn't know exactly what it was, but they, he had got an MRI on it, and apparently there's no ligament damage or anything like that. Nothing that's going to hold him out past the bye week. So, in theory, he'll be back for the Texans. But 
our defense that has all of these gaps in it, when we don't have the crutch that is the phenomenal play of Miles Garrett, we don't have a lot. We don't have a lot at all. Yeah. Oh no, there's no doubt. I mean, he's been like the single wrecking, the single man wrecking crew on that defense. And there's just not a lot of playmakers other than him and Denzel Ward, to be perfectly honest. It's just kind of, it's kind of sad. We, we need our, our defensive line has underperformed as a whole, uh, outside of miles. I mean, Miles is responsible for more than 50% of of the entire defensive line's production at this point. We've got guys like Olivier Vernon, who was a pro bowler in 2018. We've got uh, Sheldon Richardson, who's who's been a pro bowler in his past. Adrian Claiborne. Those guys need to step up. And I don't know know if it's lingering injuries that are keeping those guys that may be coming out of the bye week. They'll They'll be in better shape. We've got to get more production outside of Miles um, or else the rest of our defense, especially through that spine, isn't talented enough to, to make up for it. We where where Mac we Wilson can survive, on the sideline would be a good move going yeah, forward. Where we can survive is knowing that our corners can hang and if our defense, if our defensive front four can, can dominate, then, then we can function as a defense because – the, the linebackers and safeties are going to get toasted. That just is the reality of our personnel. And it's great that it's great that Olivier stepped up in this game and had two sacks and, and had a great game, but because Miles was down. But where is Olivier whenever Miles is playing and is alive and well? I just well, what could be I can't imagine what could be contributing to that because largely Olivier should be freed up to be Olivier whenever Miles is in the game. He's Miles is drawing all the double teams. Um, so it just doesn't make sense to me that we can't get consistent production from all of our defensive ends and our pass rushers at the same time. Let's shout out Porter Gustin, who made a handful of really phenomenal plays in this game. I feel like Porter Gustin deserves more playing time. I think here's the thing I think Porter Gustin has flashed in like two games. I think in like week one or one of the early, early weeks, like he was really phenomenal. And this week he was really, really good as well. I think I don't know that his snaps has really decreased that much, but he was pretty much invisible in recent weeks whenever he's gotten extra snaps. Now, he probably did get more this week because Miles was off the field as much as he was. But it's not like Gustin hasn't been in there in rotation. Like He's definitely been in there. He's, he's been in rotation, but he hasn't gotten a consistent run. Um and it's hard to say. I mean, it's easy to say he, he needs more snaps, but who do you take off the field? Like, does Adrian Claiborne deserve less snaps? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Porter Gustin was our highest-graded PFF defender at 81.4. Who do you think was our lowest? Oh, it was Larry Ogunjobi, wasn't it? No. Mac Wilson. Yep. It was Mac Wilson. Ogunjobi and Wilson were atrocious. But Ogunjobi was second worst. Ogunjobi was getting blown off the ball, and I want to talk about this. Not I don't even know. Just blown off the ball. I saw him on multiple snaps take a step backwards prior to contact. <laughs> multiple times, I saw that happen. Like I don't even know what you can say, but it was absolutely pathetic performance. I don't. It. I, I like the dude personally, but like. 
looked awful in this But game. that's not Larry Ogunjobi from week one, week two, last season. Like, that's not who he is. It's got to be an injury. It's got to be his abdominal injury, like you were saying earlier, Matthew. Like, that's the only excuse for behavior like that. I don't, I don't know what it is, but he's, he's the only guy that we have as a run stuffer, and if he can't do it, then we're – we're in a whole load of crap. I mean, he's getting pushed five yards down the field, like every snap. When you go back and look at this game, I started rewatching this game, and I think I got too frustrated and turned it off, and like decided to take a nap instead. But I was watching Ogunjobi on the defensive snaps, and he gets destroyed over and over and over and over again, and doesn't look like he's got it like it just looks bad in every facet well and it's not good for him because this is a contract year and coming into this year i would have probably held the position that i would want to re-sign Ogunjobi. i mean obviously everything is is value based so it would depend on 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 what the the annual value of that contract is but i would feel like he was a person that we needed to keep around and the last couple of weeks watching, I don't really know what he's bringing right now. So nope. I don't, I don't know that he's going to be around. Nope. Uh, and well, we might have a full, a full turnover on that interior of the defensive line. I mean, Sheldon's still under contract, but we can get out of that contract if we want to. And to to his credit, I actually think he's been playing really, really well this year. Um, it, maybe hasn't shown up because the rest of the guys on the D-line have not been playing well and the linebackers behind him are not playing well. Um, but as a function of making choices on where you want to spend your money, I don't know that we re-signed Sheldon. I'd, I'd just as soon plug, we got Andrew Billings, we got Jordan Elliott, we got whoever we want to bring in in the offseason and, and roll with those guys. Oh, man. It's hard. To, it's tough to make the argument right now, and I and I have no idea what a what, I've, a, I've what no, an extension would look like I've for no Ogunjobi. I have no argument to make to extend Ogunjobi at this point. I could make an argument for keeping Richardson, but I can't make an argument for keeping Ogunjobi. Yeah, no, and it's it's disappointing because he's a guy that um, I like. He's a guy that I know vibes really well with with Miles Garrett, and I. I just don't know what he's what he's bringing in this moment. He he seems to well, have not exactly, progressed well, since a, like early on in his career. Like he hasn't grown. Well, it's exactly that. You don't know what he's bringing in this moment, but don't you think you guys are both bringing a crap ton of recency bias to Larry Ogunjobi right now? I it's not these things that like taking a step back, like not having the hustle, not having the effort. These are things that we're seeing right now on tape, but it's not been the story of Larry Ogunjobi throughout his tenure with the Cleveland Browns. I, I understand that the tape looks really bad right now, but there has to be a reason for it unless you think that NFL offensive line coaches just got tape on Ogunjobi and just know exactly what to do to him now, and he's largely worthless. I'm more inclined to believe that he's not a very good NFL player at the one technique than to believe that he's a plus NFL player at that position. I don't know if he's in the wrong, he might be miscast and be in the wrong role, 
but he's not. But if, but doing if we bring well. it, if we bring him back, he's going to be in this role. And he didn't do that well last season either. Like if you look at like his PFF grades and things like that, like he'll have some flash plays every once in a while, but he is not a consistent contributor at all. I mean, there's no well, question. There's no did, question in my mind. Looking forward to the future. I mean, we've got to get through this season to to maximize our potential this year. We've got to do a complete rebuild on on this kind of defensive front seven, Out, outside of Miles, right? And maybe Sheldon might be around. Every other spot is probably open going into next season might might see a turnaround yeah i really hope that we see i mean hopefully jacob phillips has an opportunity to play down the stretch and we see some like growth and see some opportunity there because like we really need some young talent to emerge to be able to fill some of those holes because you can't do all that with new rookies coming in or you know signing big money for agents like you've got to have some homegrown talent to be able to fill some of those gaps you can't just go sign guys to make that happen and aside from jacob phillips maybe maybe talkie talkie shows enough and jacob phillips shows out and then you can go bring somebody in in the offseason draft another guy and then we we just have a lot of positions in that front seven that are that are not established which gives me pause because we've also got the safety position, which right now looks terrible. I feel better about it going into next year with Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit, but Grant Delpit's still a player coming off injury who hasn't played in the NFL. And so that's a lot to put on him to say, come in and fix a secondary. Yeah. Um, Andrew Barry's going to have his his work cut out for him this offseason. Yeah, the challenge to, to figure too, that out. The challenge too is like when we sit like and look at this and think about it, we like to think about it. At least I do, in terms of like, all right, what's our best eleven? What do I need to look like? But the reality is, in the NFL, you need so much. You need cons- you need a good amount of depth in order to like win in the NFL. I mean, look at all the injuries that we've sustained, but it's true across the entire NFL. If if we move like just look at the defensive interior. If we move on from like Ogunjobi and Richardson next year, you see a path where we've got Billings on a one year deal and we have, you know, um Jordan Elliott. Jordan Elliott. And the you feel okay about that as two defensive tackles, but you gotta have five guys you feel okay about. Yeah. You know, and then that that leaves three question marks. <laughs> like that's a lot of spots to fill. And so that's where it starts to get harder to like move on from a guy like Sheldon Richardson when you got to think you know that you need to maintain like some depth throughout the season to be able to to be able to win. And speaking of injuries, as I look on the other side of the ball, to give the Browns a little bit of a break in a game like this, like look at look at the players we were missing in this game. You know, we did have our starting quarterback. We did have Baker Mayfield. But we did not have our top player, arguably, at all of the other positions on offense. Yeah. Like, offensive line, we didn't have Wyatt Teller, who's 
been our best performing offensive Which, lineman this year. LOL, him being like if you told me 10 weeks ago that we would be complaining about missing Wyatt Teller. But, but he, to his credit, he's been steamrolling people. Yes. Um, and that's the most laughable one, but we didn't have Austin Hooper, our top tight end. We did not have Odell Beckham, our top wide receiver, and we did not have Nick Chubb. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of players to be missing. We're, we're overlooking that, and then especially with the, the conditions. I think missing Nick Chubb, missing Austin Hooper, missing Wyatt Teller worked against the Browns in this game, where those are players you would have leaned on in a pretty significant way. Whether it's uh, Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, and then Austin Hooper blocking in the run game or using Austin Hooper as a pass catcher um, in, in the short passing game because it's so windy. I, I don't know what an Odell Beckham would have done in this game. Uh, could have been great on, on short short passes, in, in, but we're, we're not going deep. But it's underrated to like the threat of an Odell Beckham on the field Absolutely. and how that opens everything else up. and. In his absence, knowing that we don't have him the rest of the year, we need to have as many like playmakers out there as possible, and to be missing an Austin Hooper and to be missing a Nick Chubb, like that. But those only, things really hurt. But only one of those guys is out long term. So I think looking at this optimistically, we can say the Browns. There were missed opportunities here. The Browns can win this game, going forward. This type of game going forward, when we have two of those three back, right? Yep. Like like it would it would be great to be able to to, which, to be at full strength. Which, which we two can, would you most like to have? Treader and Chubb? No, I I would take Teller. Yeah, Teller and Chubb. Yeah. Back. That's what I meant. Yeah, because there's so much depth at Teddy. I never put that together that our center and our right guard have like basically the same last name except for Treader and Teller. Except for swapping a letter. Um yeah, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it's, it's not Treller. Swap, swap it's, the mid T's, the mid T's for L's, and and it's the same thing. No, it's not. Oh Treader. yeah, Teller. Yeah, there's no R. Sorry. Get the R out of there. Get the R. And then make the same statement again, and you're good. Um, yeah. No, those are the two I would, I would ask for, but I think Austin Hooper does bring bring a lot in that in that run blocking game. And then catching passes in the short term. I mean, who knows? Who knows what happens? Does Austin Hooper fumble that? Harrison Bryant fumble? I don't know. Does Austin Hooper catch the ball that David Njoku dropped? Maybe. Probably. Probably. You'd think almost anyone would. Even I'd David like, Njoku, you would expect to. He's, he's got to catch that with his hands. Like, like, I'm so over watching Njoku try to let the ball come into his body. I mean, it was just a perfect pass. That's the thing that. Is so 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 frustrating. I mean, it's got to be infuriating as a quarterback. Yeah, oh exactly. Like, what like, else? What do you got to do yeah. to win? A especially, game? especially being Baker coming off the the weeks that he's come off, just getting the just the getting crap beat railed. out of him, and, and also just getting railed by the media, and just like, oh, would just be miserable. Poor guy. I hope he I hope he plays well under pressure because he's got all the pressure in the world and it just seems it seems so unfair to me. Like everybody thinks that we got to throw like even dad last week we got to throw Baker out with the with the trash and just like replace him with a new quarterback. 
but it's just the most ridiculous narrative. Um, there the, are a lot of things that are working in Baker's favor. Like our offensive line pass blocking is about as good as it gets in the NFL right now. And so he does have like a pretty good environment for success. Um, but like, there's nothing, nothing to fault him for in this particular game. And like, if that continues, like, I don't think we'll have questions about, you know, next season and, and going forward. So Rashard we'll Higgins largely absent from this game. Matthew knows because he bet some money on Rashard Higgins on the <clears throat> over. I did. I had Rashard Higgins over 41 and a half passing yards and didn't even get close. Did, <laughs> did he even have a catch? He did have one. It was like for 12 yards in garbage time right there. That's right. Maybe it wasn't garbage time, but it wasn't. Yeah, he had a catch. It was not not significant, Um, which was surprising. I think think it was. Not given the conditions. Nobody really had a great offensive game on both sides of the field due to the conditions, but I think it was surprising. Yeah, Josh Jacobs had had a great game. Didn't get in the end zone, but like 130 yards. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean you're totally right. Like it was. I mean, it was just so dis- this whole game just felt so disjointed. Like it didn't feel like anybody, other than like the Raiders' offensive line and Josh Jacobs, like got in any sort of rhythm. Felt like the whole game was a just a long stall, just like my brisket that I was trying to cook this weekend. Just took forever to really get going. Oh, but you got the you got the the Twitter um, affirmation from from Dane. I did. There was all kinds of love on that particular post. So when you're when you're tweeting about barbecue, do you have to like, do you have to like tweet out like the specs of the equipment you're using? I don't think so. Is that is that a, a, a Twitter barbecue thing? Is there like a? But listen, do, do I don't know anything about people shame each other this. for like for like oh you used a pellet a pellet smoker like. That's for, it's for babies. Mm. Don't know, but I did use one, and I'm not ashamed. <laughs> it tasted great. Hey, it's all about the product. Tasted great. Give the people. I actually did try it, Michael, and I'll give you some kudos on the podcast. It did taste fantastic. Yeah. How did we reheat that actually? In the oven. Okay. Wrapped in tin foil. Mm. At a low temperature. Mm. Mm. It was good. Mm-hmm. I think that's gonna be a new. Monday night podcast requirement. <laughs> it's going to be largely just bad a, for my gout, just but nice I'm in. <laughs> can we get, can we get like a, a meat sponsor? A meat sponsor. What would that be? Well, brought to you by Johnsonville or something. <laughs> somebody, somebody who can provide Hor- Hormel, whatever the, the pork company is. It's, there's not a ton of players in that market that have big brands in the, in the red meat, industry people largely don't care i suppose <laughs> this is everything it's more of a commodity <laughs> you're, you're not really like brand loyal in the like meats you're buying you're more not brand loyal all. to like the store you buy your meats from yep i would imagine like, yeah it's only, true. only buy hormel oh the things we'll do to not talk about the browns defense um or the Browns' offense right now, or this game in general. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Browns fans, this is going to be a short podcast because the game sucked. We got a bye week next week. Michael took a nap right before he came over here. Yep. And uh, energy's lacking. Quite frankly, I'm I'm not really feeling it right now. So <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, 
the lines. And I'm not feeling it when I look at these freaking lines. Mark went on a nice little run here. An absolute tear. Yeah. Let's he, call it what it is. He is pulling away from the pack. Uh, he's sitting at 14 and 9, and Matthew and I are both like under 500 right here. So we got some ground to make up, but only two games to pick because we're not picking the Browns game this week. But we'll start with the Thursday night game, which is the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers just announced that both George Kittle and Jimmy Garoppolo are going to be out for an extended period of time with injuries. Packers coming off a disappointing loss, and they are favored by two and a half points, heading to San Francisco. Hmm. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Green Bay Packers in this particular game. Matthew, who do you have? These are two teams coming in. The The Packers have started out hot. It just came off a loss to the Vikings. That was not a great loss. Uh, San Francisco is missing all of their pieces. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable the a number of injuries they've suffered at this point. Um, this is one of those yeah, games where I could see anything happening. I could see anything happening. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Green Bay. Mark Coon. I mean, yeah. You guys both picked them, and it's who I wanted to pick in the first place. It's just like the stars are aligning. Uh, San Francisco losing their starting quarterback and and best pass catcher. And, yeah, it's the it's, Brandon Ayuk show now. It's pretty simple. Um, I'm gonna go Green Bay. Rogers. No Browns game to pick, so we'll move right on to the Sunday evening game. The New Orleans Saints heading to Tampa to play the Buccaneers, who are favored by four and a half points in this particular contest. Man. These teams, like, I don't feel like I've really figured out either one of these teams from watching them this year. Like, I, I guess I kind of know what you're getting from the from the Saints. But it's so different from Saints teams of recent years that it's like hard to believe that that's who they are. Um, Bucks again favored by four and a half. Mark, I'll let you pick this one first. Yeah, I I'm currently watching Monday Night Football where the Bucks are losing to the Giants, and I'm not going to make my decision only on that, but also the fact that I I like this Saints team. They've won a decent amount of games. They they're on a three game win streak. Um, and all the games that they've lost, they've been pretty close in. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, four Matt. and a half points, a lot, to this hot and cold Tampa Bay team. Matthew? Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the Saints here. <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> what you can't, what you don't know is I wanted to pick the Saints and just threw my head back frustration because I don't want to pick the same thing as everybody else, but um, four and a half points is a lot of points. Four and a half points is a lot of points. Like, that's a close game to me. Um, Saints always keep it close. Like, the Saints aren't getting blown out by anybody. Um, getting Mike Thomas back probably next week. Maybe Emmanuel Sanders back off the COVID list. Like, Saints can look a little better than they have been the past couple weeks. Man, we... All right, no one's gaining on one another this week. This is just uh, 
week of a wash. We all picked clean sweep Green Bay and New Orleans in, in these games coming up. Well, I guess this podcast just sucked in its totality <laughs> <laughs> from beginning to end. Uh, Browns game sucked. It leads you into a sucky podcast. What do you expect, listener? That's what you get. Uh, it's just a. I I think I'm just gonna feel down this entire like <laughs> bye week. You know, we lost this game to the Raiders that are also gonna be in the wild card conversation. Like, not a good situation. It's just a like the game itself just left a bad taste in your mouth. It's just gonna linger for two whole weeks. It's all right. The Browns are five and three. I haven't been able to say that in a long time. Uh, well, hopefully we can get a fun guest on the podcast next week um, for for the bye week. We we'll try to do that for for the fans, um, and we'll we'll be back uh, talking about things next week. All right, guys, if you appreciate this podcast, uh, why don't you tell a friend about it? Tell them to listen to it. We we would appreciate that from you. Or send us an email, sinofourfathers at gmail um, we appreciate your comments, questions, and concerns. We would love to hear from you. Um, and uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinever Fathers. And thanks always for listening. And most of all, go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.